So the concept of Faith Your Fear came to me um, when I was about to start my new job. So the job I'm in now, back in 2015, um, Music Soul Child has this alter ego called Purple Wonder Love. Wait, what? So, yeah. So, so this is like such a random thing. So Music Soul Child has this alter ego called Purple Wonder Love. And I was like on Spotify one day and I was like... This is some somebody told me about this EP he had put out. So I'm listening to it like really mellow, easygoing music. It still sounds like music, but like not like one four three music or you know uh-huh. love music that everybody knows. But yeah. So there's a song called Faith Your Fears, and I was like, wow, that's like a that's an interesting concept. Like instead of succumbing to fear and like being so afraid to actually do like flip it and just have confidence and faith in yourself to move forward and do what you need to do. Hey y'all, I'm Alexis and welcome to First Year Project, a podcast sharing the stories behind the good, bad, and integral aspects of first year experiences. That's Chastity Cooper, communications manager by day and digital director of her agenda talking about navigating through layoffs and unemployment, how faith has sustained her throughout her journey, and knowing when it's time to just hustle and make things happen. Listen to her entire story this week on First Year Project. You can find First Year Project on Twitter and Instagram at firstyearprj. P is in Paul, R is in Ricky, J is in John. And on Facebook at First Year Project. For visuals and previous episodes, visit firstyearproject.com. If you like the show, please make sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes as it helps First Year Project go up in the rankings and reach more people. If you're not familiar with how to do this, please visit firstyearproject.com slash review. A link will also be included in the show notes. Thank you so much, Chastity, for coming on First Year Project. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So first and foremost, what do you do and why do you do it? So um, nine to five, I uh, work in Washington, D.C. as communications manager for a nonprofit that is an environmental coalition. So I work, write a lot of messaging, uh, connect with a lot of our partners, um, and, and really focus on enlightening the wider and broader community that climate change is real. It's not a hoax and it's really having a major effect on um, not just us in general, but definitely communities of color in particular. Mm-hmm. So it's my nine to five. After five o'clock, um, I'm a freelance journalist. I'm a blogger. Um, I'm actually on uh, the team with HerAgenda.com. So I'm the digital yes. director um, with with them. And um, yeah, I'm just the overall creative. I love um, creating things and, and working with my peers to really make dope uh, opportunities come to life. And I really am super, super passionate about helping people bring their ideas to life. Very dope. Now, how did you get started in the field? So I graduated from Syracuse University, oh gosh, six years ago. And um, <laughs> I graduated a year after you. Too. <laughs> Which I can't believe it's been that long. But yeah. uh, marketing PR um, background, uh, I've always had a love for business, always had a curiosity for how things work, problem solving, putting things together. And so moving 
moved to D.C., did a um, nine-month stint of internships within PR agencies, hated it because PR agencies are a little wacky. Um, How so? So it's just... It, it, what I don't like about PR agencies is that with some of them, you have to bill your time. So it makes you very aware of how you're using your time and, and making sure that you're using, you know, certain amount of hours for this client and certain amount of hours for this client. So I didn't like that mm. type of um, setup for me. Um, but I did actually, after I think, um, did the send internships, then I did a year of AmeriCorps. So I was like a volunteer for America um, with a nonprofit in DC that was dope for about a year, went into some inbound marketing. Then I got back into PR with the firm that I didn't have to um, manage my time and, and bill my hours to a client. So um, I've just had a love for communication since for as long as I can remember. Loved writing, love talking to people, love storytelling. And that's kind of how I've gotten my start in that arena. Very cool. Now, you mentioned your nine to five has to do with climate change mm-hmm. and how it especially is impacting communities of color. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So a lot of people don't know, but uh, particularly for black and Latino communities, if you just kind of look at how the United States is set up and look at how many communities are kind of offset from um, healthier areas. So it's not even just climate change um, in particular, but if you look at um, certain neighborhoods in, in major cities, you notice a lot of pockets of people of color where there could be food deserts. So a food desert not having access to fresh food. So usually like a lot of corner stores and bodegas and liquor stores and stuff like that. But in particular for climate change, for instance, um, there are 68% of African-Americans who live within 30 miles of a coal power plant. And so... Wait, you said 68%? 68%. 68%. Yeah. That's nuts. And this is a stat. Like these are stats that I read all the time because I'm always coming up with messaging um, for our partners, our constituents. And um, in particular for the African-American community, asthma, as a lot of people may know, is a huge, huge problem with our community. So, and that's a factor of climate change. So, um, you know, the hotter the summers are, um, you know, the the more smog in the air, ozone, all those things that I've learned over the last year have an effect on how our kids breathe in particular. They infect um, a lot of other um, people, so you know, white people are affected, Latino people are affected, but in particular, asthma is killing you know our kids and hurting us. So um, that's why I, I do the work that I do as far as communicating why um, climate change is not a hoax. It's actually something that we should all be paying attention to. There's a reason why we're having 50 degree days in the middle of February. Yeah, um, it's because the Earth is getting warmer. I think it's wild that. Um, like organizations need to do convincing still around this in 2017. Mm-hmm. It's actually really, really disturbing to me. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, shout out to President Obama and his administration <laughs> for all of the work that they did really pushing forward, um, how important it is for, for us to act from the, the Paris Climate Agreement um, about a year and a half ago to mm. um, the Clean Power Plan. Um, he really put forth the work for us to really wake up and realize that climate change is is really affecting all of us. Now, I know that you've gone through um, some transitions for sure, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So like, what is a major transition that you've had to to go through? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I think the biggest transition I've had to go through um, definitely took place 
last, oh, wow, we're in 2017, so in 2015. <laughs> um, in 2015, I was laid off from my job with a nonprofit in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so... I knew at that time that what I was doing wasn't necessarily making me the happiest. Um, so I had to really take stock and figure out, okay, Chastity, what do you want to do next? What is going to be an opportunity that's going to fulfill you and give you the you know exposure to resources and tools and, and the people that you need to connect with? So for about four months, I was unemployed, but that's when my side hustle started to really kick in the gear. So I was um, doing freelance social media for a number of different organizations in D.C., um, kind of building up my client base that way. I was writing, doing a lot of freelance writing for one outlet at the time. And um, thankfully, gratefully, I was able to still pay bills, still, um, you know, take care of responsibilities. And um, that was just a major transition. That was like probably the the biggest adulting moment I've experienced thus far. Do you remember the exact day that you found out that you were, that you were being fired? June 30th. 2015. And like, what was, what was going through your head? So the biggest thing I think for me was calling my parents and telling them that was probably like, I remember leaving the office and calling my mom and being like, Hey, she's like, Hey, I was like, yeah. So I no longer work here. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, I was just let go. She's Mm. like, um, (laughs) She's like, okay. And yeah. this is like, the, this was the second time this happened to me. So the first time was in 2014, the second time was in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was just like, all right, Chaz, um, you've been here before. Just get to work and do what you do best. And my parents have always been super, super supportive of me um, in times like that. I remember my dad called me the next day and it was like a little after eight o'clock. And he was like, hey, I was like, "Um, hey, dad, what's going on? (laughs) He's like, so why aren't you at work? I was like, so listen, like I no longer work at that organization. They let me go. And he was like, okay, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Now it's just the time to kind of re-up and if it's a time for you to do your own thing then do it and um you know they had my back in that it was never a well you should have been doing this and you should have been doing that but um they've just been supportive people that's dope mm-hmm. so i actually read the piece that you wrote it's one of my favorites of yours it's called uh what it really means to faith your fear mm-hmm. thank you so can you talk a little bit about like 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 what do you mean or what does faith in your fear mean to you personally yeah so i think in and it's, I actually wrote that piece. That piece was a long time coming, actually. So the concept of faith, your fear came to me um, when I was about to start my new job. So the job I'm in now back in 2015, um, Music Soul Child has this alter ego called Purple Wonder Love. Wait, what? So, yeah. So, so this is like such a random thing. So Music Soul Child has this alter ego called Purple Wonder Love. And I was like on Spotify one day and I was like... This is some somebody told me about this EP he had put out. So I'm listening to it like really mellow, easygoing music. It still sounds like music, but like not like one four three music or you know uh-huh. love music that everybody knows. But yeah. So there's a song called "Faith Your Fears," and I was like, "Wow, that's like a that's an interesting concept." Like instead of succumbing to fear and like being so afraid to actually do, like flip it and just have 
confidence and faith in yourself to move forward and do what you need to do. So the fall of 2015, that was kind of like when I was, you know, starting back into the workforce, kind of like the foundation for me was like, all right, just put faith in front of everything that you do. And I come from a household growing up, going to church every Sunday, vacation Bible school in the summer, um, Bible camp. So uh, my faith is a very, very big part of me. And so um, when I heard the song, it was just like, okay, yeah, that's a cool concept. But when I really started to kind of look at my life and everything that I'd gone through, um, really make looking back and be like, yo, my faith is really what had sustained me through four months of unemployment and, you know, being able to travel um, to Canada and run a half marathon and still not have a job like, That's and dope. really be out here. Yeah, it's was just like, I remember one of my mentees was like, you didn't miss a beat. Like I didn't, I couldn't tell that you were out actually, you know, out here like unemployed. And I think when it comes to like struggling like that, there's a time and a place to really be like, oh my gosh, like, what was me? Da, 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 da. But like, there's also a time just to hustle and like make stuff happen. And, you know, you can experience your struggle, um, Openly, you can just experience behind, um, you know, in, in private. But I think for me, um, I'm always of the the school of thought that like if I'm going through something, I'm gonna go through it, and once I come out of it, be able to tell that story. That's dope. Yeah. That's really dope. So now, how do you hold yourself accountable? Like, 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 what does accountability look like for you in? phases like that where you don't necessarily have a job or a boss saying I need this by Tuesday at noon Mm -hmm. that's a good question I think for me it's the people I keep around myself um in that time frame when I was unemployed I really had to step like I had to step up and I remember getting like a passion planner and be like I have to do this and this and this and um really just reminding myself that like I am out here. Like, this is probably the rawest that I've ever been. Um, And, you know, being honest about what I'm going through. I remember I was writing for Slant News at the time, and I wrote a piece about, you know, being let go from your job and, and how do you not succumb to that, oh my gosh, like this is the worst, I'm terrible, I failed, and and really just being like, all right, setting a routine for yourself. So for me, it was making sure that I'm like eating healthy. At the time I was training for my first half marathon, so I had no choice but to go on on runs. Mm -hmm. um, Really just still on the job hunt. So like making sure that I'm applying for a number of X number of jobs a, a week and keeping my, like, keeping spreadsheets and, and, and really just making sure that I had a routine in place. And that was really my accountability. That's dope. Now, I know that you also identify as a bibliophile. Mm-hmm. So I had to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your top three favorite books? The Alchemist is one of them. Why? I love The Alchemist. And I read it probably like once a year. Really? And it changed. Every time I read it, it's a different perspective for me. I think the first time I read it, I was just like, oh, everybody's reading it, so let me read it. Second time, I was like, this man, like, just the way he was kind of like figuring out his journey. Like, I, I went back the second time and really highlighted it. Um, and I'm probably going to read it again this year. But it's one of those books where you're able to put yourself in the actual story, even though you're reading the story about someone else, but you can really identify with it. So I'd say The Alchemist. 
gosh, another favorite book of mine. You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. I talk about this book all the time. I need to just reach out so to her. So for those who haven't read the book, what, what what's the book about? So basically she's she comes for you in the book. Like <laughs> she's literally talking to you about how you have the ability to live your best life. And like, you know, we go through um, certain failures and certain trials and tribulations, but ultimately understanding that we have, like we're awesome in, in the midst of all of that. So I definitely say you're a badass by um, Jen Sincero. The third book of all oh, favorite books of all time. Oh my gosh. What would be my third favorite book? I would say... Gee, I'm trying to... I have a books on books in my apartment. Books on books on books. Yeah, books on books on books. I mean, I love Toni Morrison. Yeah. And um, God Help the Child is one of her most recent books. And a lot of people, because it's so modernized, a lot of people didn't like it. But I think people were so really hung up on the classics, like yeah. Song of Solomon, The Bluest Eye, mm-hmm. like things that she's, you know, beloved. Like when you read, you know that that's Toni Morrison. And so when I never read those books, but when I read God Help the Child, it was just something so authentic about that book that I was like, this is like, she was able to kind of come up out of that, you know, that kind of classic, um, really set in the past that yeah. she's done a lot of and put it into a time where we can all relate and understand. So um, I would say, yeah, Toni Morrison. Very dope. Yeah, one of my favorite authors. Now, uh, I know this may have been 2014, mm-hmm. maybe 15. Um, the Roots, 30 Viral Voices on, under under 30. Mm-hmm. So how, how did that come about? Oh, wow. Yeah, that do you was, remember that exact day? I do. So that was... In 2014, it was actually, so funny story. So I, well, not really funny story, but (laughs) I was on my way to Barbados. So I actually won um, a contest. Atlanta Impact is a nonprofit in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so they were looking for people to serve as chaperones. So if you raise the most money, you you got to go. And then um, it, they were looking for two chaperones. So one person, whoever raised the most money, they automatically got to go. And then whoever, um, you know, within that pool, the people who didn't raise the most money, they would pick. Mm-hmm. And so I found out in July that I was going super stoked, packed my bags. I left work to go to the airport to fly to Toronto, then to fly to um, Barbados. And so I'm literally like on my computer getting ready to go. And I, I look at Twitter and all of a sudden I just see my face. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what's happening? Like, what is this? And so to be on that, like, that was kind of like the first kind of like, I would say notoriety. Um, you know, I and, and I've never been kind of like that big, oh, you know, I want to be on this list. I do want, I still want to be on Forbes on 30 under 30. I think that's every millennial's like yeah. goal to be on that list. But um, I'm not like super, super pressed. I would love to be on the list. But I think finding that out that I like, you know, just being myself and, and having kind of this opportunity to share a platform with my peers, it was just really, really dope. That's dope. Now, we have to talk about Beyonce's uh, twin announcement. 
because I actually read a tweet that um, you wrote about the haters. So I actually, and maybe it's just me, but I have a really good, good or bad way of just being like, oh, I didn't know people were even writing about this. So here's the thing. So I was at work on, I think she announced, when, when did Black History Month start? Wednesday. So yeah. It was Wednesday, February 1st. And my friend is G-chatting me the same Instagram link. He's like, oh my God, oh my God. I'm like, why is he getting, why is he doing this? <laughs> so I go to the internet and I'm like, Beyonce just announced that she's pregnant with twins. Like, and she just, she just has this way of just dropping things like, boom. yeah. Um, I thought, first of all, Beyonce's the type, she's, she's always done this. So it's not, it's a surprise, but it's not really a surprise. I thought the way she did it and how she's released all these beautiful maternity pictures, like, that's beautiful. I think that's great. Um, My problem lies in people feeling the need to talk about her expressing her joy for bringing new life into the world. Yeah, I'm I'm actually going to read a a tweet that you sent out. It says, I'm a firm believer in everyone being able to share their story, but complaining about someone else freely sharing their own joy is whack. Mm-hmm. And I wholeheartedly agree. Like, like I, I don't, if, if you don't like the picture or if you ha- shared a different experience, I think that's okay for you to have those feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you necessarily, if there needs to be several think pieces written about it. There were so many. And the thing is about all the think pieces, there were, the authors were all white women. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because <laughs> I feel that, like I said in the tweet, if you have a story, cool, tell it. We all have that amendment right to you know freely speak. But my problem comes when particularly the white media tries to I wouldn't even demonize is, is a stretch, but really just kind of overanalyze the black body. And this is nothing new. Like we've, this has been for centuries. Um, but for somebody to really hop on the internet and be like, well, you know, Beyonce's pictures were tacky, but I'm okay with it. Or, you know, I, you know, have so many people that I follow on, um, Instagram and they're pregnant, but I'm not. Like, that's a problem that you have. Yeah. Like, Beyonce's a full celebrity. Like, she said in the song, Sorry, I'm not thinking about you. This is about me <laughs> yeah. and sharing this joy with people who support me, all of my fans. So, I think people just need to, like, stop hating. Like, if you have, if, now, if you've gone through a traumatic experience, and people tend to forget, like, Beyonce had a miscarriage. And yeah. she shared that experience with the world and, like, for her to be such a big star and to go through something so vulnerable, that's tough. And she was able to give birth to Blue. Blue's about to be a big sister. I'm so listen, hyped for her. I'm listen. so hyped for her. I, think I can't believe she's going to have three whole kids. Is that like... <laughs> three? And the thing is, I was like, is Beyonce really about to... Beyonce going to have more kids. But twins? Though? Is she going to have... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can't even... Yeah. That's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I hope it's a boy and a girl. I do. I hope that as well. Mm-hmm. I really hope that as well. Um, I also think that it's really interesting that... So here's here's my thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, media in general makes a lot of money off of black people. They do. These same major media outlets often, I would say, critique because... 
I think there's a space for like analyzing the complexity of mm-hmm. different types of folks. Mm-hmm. I think the way in which it's done is not in a complex way. It's like, hey, I didn't like this aspect of what you did, and mm-hmm. this is why. And that's what I don't understand, yeah. um, especially with a with a woman like Beyonce. I actually think there there are things that you can tr- cr- critique about her. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to waste my time pitching a story writing about her her uh, photos. Which I thought were also done very well, by the way. Yeah, the water ones. <laughs> like, are you super kidding dope. me? Super, super dope. Like, for her to be able to hop in the pool and just be like, here, girl, nobody can do that but yeah. you. Like, no, this was this was a full blown photo shoot mm-hmm. of happiness, mm-hmm. and that's how it will be. Yeah, and that's how we're going to always remember it. Exactly. She, I think she's performing at the Grammys in a couple weeks, and everybody's like, oh, how she can perform pregnant? She's done it before. Let her, let her live. Let her live. Mm-hmm. She's Beyonce. Yeah. Like, seriously. Exactly. Now, I know that you are the digital director for her agenda mm-hmm. as well now, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, uh, how did that sh- uh, shift or how, how did that opportunity come about? Sure. So, I started writing for her agenda in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, I had always loved the platform. And... In my writing, I think I really started to build a rapport with uh, Renisha Bing, who was the founder of her agenda. And so she approached me, <clears throat> excuse me, last summer. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, Chaz. I was like, hey, what's going on? It's like right before I'm, I, so sidebar, I run with District Running Collective in Washington, D.C. So you're a full-blown runner. Full marathon, marathoner. Hey. <laughs> Ran uh, my first marathon in Chicago in October. And um, so I'm, I'm with the crew. It's a typical summer Wednesday. And so she calls me and she's like, hey, um, Chaz, I'm really thinking about, um, you know, expanding the team and you've just been like a dope asset as a contributor would you be interested in doing x and so i was like let me think about it um i really support what she the work that she does as far as like creating a platform for ambitious millennial women Mm -hmm. and the content that the website constantly pushes out is so inspiring and, and it's really getting to uh you know this this active generation of young women who really want to to you know not let anything or anyone slow them from from getting work done so um that's how the opportunity came about and so um I absolutely enjoy it I think a lot of the work that I do so we have a slack community um with members so we have a monthly membership yeah um it's nine dollars a month and you have access to you know not only a community of really dope and smart amazing millennial women but um you know job opportunities um other cool opportunities um events and and all these really really cool things so i manage all of that and i also have the cool opportunity to have um slack chats with mm-hmm. amazing women uh within different industries gia peppers was one of them i saw yeah, she's dope gia is so dope yeah. such a sweetheart um and it's so funny because i met gia through one of my best friends who used to live here in New York Mm -hmm. and we have uh, she's from D.C. so she had connections with friends I went to school with so the world is just like a really super small place. I interviewed Gia for first year project too. Yeah, she's awesome. awesome. Super, super awesome. Super sweet and just super talented. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very talented. I look forward to you know seeing what she comes up with next. Now, how do folks find information about the Slack chat? Sure. So if you go to theagenda-heragenda.com um 
um, you'll be able to sign up for um, the Slack chat. The next Slack chat is actually this week with Bet Ann Sosberg of Google. And, Very cool. Yeah. And so she does a lot of um, partnerships and she works with influencers. And so I'm hyped to kind of learn how does one, how do you discover what makes you an influencer? Because I think we all have the ability to, you know, influence and mm-hmm. um, uh, suggest things and, and make different changes within our our own networks. And I'm super super excited to hear what she has to say about that. Very dope. Now, if you could talk to your first year self, first year self as in like coming straight out of uh, Syracuse, mm-hmm. right? If you could talk to that first year self, knowing what you know now, what would you say? I would probably tell 22-year-old Chastity um, not to – I've always never give up. Like, that's kind of – as cliche as that is, you don't really understand what that means until you're in the the thick, in the trenches of – just hard times and struggle is real. Like we talk about it as millennials, like struggle so real. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is. And I think, you know, being able to be confident in yourself in those hard times and really understanding you have the ability to be whoever you want and, and really firmly grasping that and running with it. So I would tell her never give up. I would also tell her, um, to act on, you know, your first thought. A lot of times, I know me, I'm the type of person who will weigh options all day long. I'd be like, um, should I do this? Should I do that? I'll ask like three different people, come back and go back and forth. You know, stick with your gut and follow your first mind always. Um, And I would also say to her, just remember to be kind to yourself. Uh, I think a lot of times we put, and I still do, I have this really bad. I'll put so much pressure on myself to produce something Mm -hmm. and get something done. And um, in that moment of, you know, when I'm putting pressure on myself, I'm actually like wasting time when I could actually be executing. So I think um, just remember to be kind, take being kind to yourself and taking care of yourself. Like self care is a major key and it looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So taking time to, you know, Unplug from social media, reading a book, calling mom, calling dad, like actually, you know, pouring out all that people have poured into you and um, just being cognizant of the world around you. Like, it's not always about you. You may think that, um, you know, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that. And that person's being mean to me and that person (laughs) broke my heart. And oh my gosh, I don't have any money. But it's like, taking a moment to actually be grateful for the moment you're in. So those are all the things I would tell her. I think she'd probably look at me like I was crazy. Like, sis, what are you talking about? Like, we're going to be fine. Like, we had this degree from Q's. (laughs) And yeah, that could be it to an extent. But I think all that I've gone through in the last six years of being a a real adult, um, they've definitely just, they've been experiences that would not trade for the world. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode, y'all. If you have thoughts you'd like to share about the episode or want to share your own moment of transition, make sure to drop me an email at firstyearprj at gmail.com. A link to subscribe to First Year Project's newsletter is included in today's show notes. 
The newsletter allows you to get first dibs to episodes and will also begin including more exclusive content. So make sure to subscribe with the link in the show notes. Today's background music is My Night by Chantel Acta. You can find her on SoundCloud.com. Editing, production, and hosting on today's episode were done by myself. Thanks for the love, y'all. Until next time, have a dope week.